It would be nice to have an outdoor one so you could hold hands and then get cocoa. Oh, yeah. I never even thought about it. Like, couple matchy. skate, like, winter couple skate. Yeah, little matchy scarves. Oh, no. Yeah. I never did that. <laughs> the thing I've seen in movies. Oh, in movies. Yeah. Totally. I never, I never did that. Yeah. Do you have um, holiday traditions, like, watching holiday movies? Yes. We do. We watch. We make cookies and we watch Elf and... We have a lot of traditions. I had no traditions as a child, so I feel like my kids are getting sort of the brunt of that, where um, I'm doing the opposite, where I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be really goddamn special then. <laughs> and I end up just kind of forcing a bunch of holiday crap on people. <laughs> Whereas when I was a kid, I was like, we should get a tree. <laughs> huh? How about a tree, guys? Yeah, I noticed you're all decked out here. You have, like, multiple wreaths. Yes. Like, wreaths upon every door. Well, we mix decking the hall. We we mix two households worth of Christmas stuff. Wow! And so then you have to put up everybody's stuff. Otherwise, that's great. I got nothing out. I did zero decorating for Christmas this year. Like, but it was mostly because it's all in my shed, and the road to my shed or the path to my shed was like snowy and muddy. And I was like, I'm not going out in the backyard. <laughs> no Christmas this year. No Christmas. Sorry, kids. Sorry, gang. Yeah, I don't have kids, so well, that's it's, just, I, I it's mostly just me, yeah. like feeling sad when I walk in. Like, there's no little tree, Aww. there's no wreaths, but whatever, it's fine. I can't have it every year. Yeah, no. <laughs> Christmas is like the Olympics. Right. You just every four years, yeah, you get really invested. I actually, the kids, like we put up all the decorations and stuff, but um, Dylan did most of this. <laughs> Dylan did most of the decorating, like heavy. Heavy the decorating heavy stuff. Decorating. Yeah. The lights and everything. <laughs> That's I made, great. I made cookies. I did. We what did kind make of gingerbread did houses with the kids. Oh, I noticed that. And they're all like standing. Yeah. I made some pretty serious frosting glue. That's awesome. It was industrial strength. We've had mostly um, catastrophes when it comes to gingerbread houses. Like the one thing that they don't really talk about in gingerbread recipes is how different or how the shrinkage. <laughs> so, you make, so you make all your pieces and parts, but then they kind of shift in cooking. Yeah. And so like you'll have something that's perfectly engineered and then you have to just like patch it together because mm. one side has shrunk more than the other. You didn't have this? Today on Couple Skate, <laughs> we expose gingerbread shrinkage. The heavy hitting. So we have like a couple of, of stories that we tell, you know, around the holidays about gingerbread house catastrophes 
You do like the whole. See, we use graham crackers. Oh, well then they don't shrink. <laughs> graham will crackers you, do will not you take shrink. the dogs with you. Go. Should we go downstairs? Not you, listener. And I look, and I as I look over my shoulder to down the stairs, there's a second tree. There's a second tree, and when when I first moved in, we had three trees, so the two like, we're down to two. Wow. Yeah. Um. The my stepkid's mom was she was big time into Christmas, and when I first moved in, there were like eighteen Christmas boxes. Because after she passed away, we you know Dylan ended up with all her Christmas stuff plus his Christmas stuff. But it was all very special to the kids, obviously, because of their mom. And so, like, I remember we were, like, going through one of the boxes and it said one of 18. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? We're breaking up now. I know. Because, you know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm big into Christmas. And I had three boxes, <laughs> which I thought was outrageous, you know. And so I was just like, whoa. But um, every year we've been able to, like you know, whittle down a little more and have it, but yeah. Like save the special stuff and then the old yeah. boxes of tinsel. You well, and, and she had excellent taste. And so a lot of it is like really cool antique ornaments and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, no, I brought in three boys and right. those are going to get broken. So <laughs> we kind of give it, we gave them away to her family and stuff. Cause there were, a lot of them were really cool, but it was like, no, 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 we don't need 7 million individually wrapped in eight pieces of tissue paper. Beautiful antique ornaments right that's not the that's not the family we are it's <laughs> not us at all so so yeah this is actually so see, I see a lot of like felt and pom-pom ornaments yes that's that's the kind of christmas i like the homemade kind of kid christmasy stuff mm-hmm. like everybody making stuff mm-hmm. bunch of clay garbage mm-hmm. ugly clay garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the kind of christmas i'm going for i have the uh beautiful antique things yeah well sure <laughs> but i have the lifestyle for that yeah you don't have um <laughs> once every five years i get it out a whirlwind of <laughs> feral dog boys <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i do have two dogs who are boys but yeah neither of them have long enough legs to get up like and, and destroy. destroy anything yeah <laughs> they're um, on the ground only all i can think about is this sweater you're wearing <laughs> You're talking, and I'm like, cool, cool. Yeah, since I walked in, now I'm feeling really self-conscious about it. I often walk around in clothing, which then somebody will make commentary about, and I feel like, oh, I should be self-conscious that no. I look like a weirdo. You don't, you don't think you shouldn't be self-conscious. I feel like that sweater, to me... <laughs> it's, it's not an ugly Christmas sweater. It's not ugly. It's not an ugly sweater. It's a statement. It's a way of life. And it's, I'm, I'm like... Do you want to describe it for, for the listener? Okay. It's what knee length, uh-huh. and it has tassels. Yeah, uh, fringe. A fringe. Sorry, fringe, fringe all on the bottom. the bottom. And then it has kind of tiger stripey. It's like navy blue, pink, purple, lighter blue with tiger stripey <laughs> uh, lines, and also some orange lines. And <laughs> we'll get a picture for sure. It sounds really, really ugly. The it's way not though. It. It's not. It's not that it's ugly. It's it's like like. I'm wearing gray, my usual gray and black. And looking at that sweater, I was like, I'm just like, I wish I had the spirit in me to wear color. Like, I wish I was that person who walked around in that sweater, living life to its fullest. I just, but it's I love all it. a facade. It is. Emma. It's all just. It is. Because people who really have their shit together are wearing like a uniform of black cashmere turtleneck and things like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, yeah, turtleneck. So, yeah. You know, like very sophisticated, elegant people, which yeah. is what I wish I was. And yet when I go to buy a sweater, 
the, the black cashmere turtleneck is never what screams my name. It's no. the tiger stripe pink and blue with fringe, <laughs> which I'll wear twice and then be like, I am so sick of the sweater because it's so specific. No, it's like a the perfect winter solstice sweater because <laughs> it's like darkest night of the year and then you show up in that fucking sweater and I'm like, maybe And did you notice I'm also not that depressed. I have um, fringe on my boots? <gasps> oh. That matches. Oh my god! <laughs> and these are these are my favorite thing that I just bought, which are glitter stirrup pants. Oh, I yeah. didn't even know they made stirrup pants. Well, though. they do. <laughs> <laughs> which I was so shocked and amazed and excited to see at Fred Meyer when I was what? there. Oh my god! <laughs> and they were like twelve ninety nine because nobody was buying them. So I bought you know the two rem- the two pairs that they had. And uh, they're really soft. Stirrup pants, I, I love that. I love having something hooked to my foot, <laughs> keeping your pants in place. Like, it just seems like if you could be the kind of person who wore stirrup pants and cashmere turtlenecks, <laughs> you'd be fucking unstoppable. You'd be winning. That's what Hillary Clinton right now is wearing a cashmere turtleneck and then stirrup pants under her pants. <laughs> Well, Two pairs and you know what, what is funny about having these stirrup pants is when I wear them, like I put them on in the morning, I'm always kind of bummed out that I'm going to put knee-high boots because it's a knee-high boots season yeah. over them. And oh. what I really want is like for people to be able to see that they're stirrup pants, not for just for me <laughs> to tell people because oh I feel God. like it's a conversation starter. Oh, <laughs> it's almost like orthopedic shoes. <laughs> like it is like it's something you're like, oh my God, she has stirrup pants. On. Has she always had those stirrup pants? Are those, are those like, medical? Are those original? Are those, <laughs> yeah, they they are. See, I'm I would I'm the opposite. I wouldn't want people to know. It would be secret stirrup <laughs> pants for me for sure. Nobody would know. Are you the kind of pants. person that wears like exotic underwear under your clothes just no. for yourself? No. In fact, <laughs> I don't ever wear underwear. I own more underwear probably than anyone, and I don't ever wear it. Ever. Really? Never. Oh, that would make me very uncomfortable. No, I wear it on my period, obviously, because, <laughs> like, you're not going to be some kind of hero who doesn't do that. Are you going to get that new period underwear that they keep trying to sell us in Facebook and Yahoo? No. Have you seen that? No. <laughs> They're just trying to sell it to me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we this got... girl seems to be having a lot of strong hey, we flow days. Your floor-length sweater and your stirrup pants and figured, yeah, you have a heavy flow, for sure. You're a bleeder. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what's happening. I see. I assume that that targeted advertising that's so specifically targeted towards me <laughs> is also being targeted towards my friends. And then every once in a while, I'll find out that that's not, not true. true. I have ad blocks, so I don't see any of that stuff. Oh my gosh, that's genius. I know. I don't see any of it, so I don't know. Oh, I think you're missing out. Yeah, I kind of want to see on the new what products. Well, and what. Who do they think I am? Who does Facebook say I am? You know, like, what would they market to me? Oh, yeah. Angry oh, feminist newsletters <laughs> and um, sadness tissues. And maybe period underwear. And padded yeah, drawers. I get, I get a lot of um, dating uh, website suggestions. Like, we know you're single. <laughs> you sure are single. You've been single for a while now. Have you considered... <laughs> Going online for this. Maybe online. This seems chronic. <laughs> yeah. I know. Maybe fatal. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, on Twitter, I mostly get movie trailers because you can't block the Twitter one. Oh. So I mostly get movie trailers and then every once in a while I get. So that's what. I get a lot of She's non-pro- a star. She's a star. <laughs> no, no. 
They're like, you spend a lot of time in airplanes. <laughs> there you go. That, and then I get a lot of, like, non-profit, like, hey, hippie. Yeah. You bleeding heart liberal. <laughs> See, I work for non-profits, and I don't get those. That's because they know you're part of the system. <laughs> Facebook knows. You're over it. We're getting nothing from her. She's making, she's making $21,000 a year. <laughs> Working her, working her fingers to the bone for the arts. She didn't care this about This girl needs a husband. <laughs> <laughs> More than anything. She needs a provider. <laughs> Which is true. Um, let's go into it. Oh, no. The other thing you said to me. Okay. I have to, I have to tell you. I'll ask you about this, too. I love that you told me uh, how you got your job earlier. <laughs> is that you wore fake glasses to the interview. Which... I think is genius. It is genius. And also that it got me the job. Yeah? I think that it made me just that much more accessible, especially considering that the entire staff of the place where I work wears glasses. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the past, maybe I intimidate a little bit because I'm a forthright speaker. I look people in the eye. And that can seem really, they can come across really aggressive, especially in a situation where you're trying to kind of be likable, mm-hmm. be approachable. And so, yeah, I went out to Claire's Boutiques and I actually bought five pairs of different glasses. And then I took my picture in each pair and I said, I put it on Facebook and said, okay, everybody vote, which, which, which of these glasses makes me look, you know, like the smartest and friendliest. And then I wore the glasses um, that people voted on. And they were right. And I got the job. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I got the job. And the other thing that it did for me, which I felt was like, I would recommend this as a strategy because, you know, when you go in for a job and it's really stressful, what wearing those glasses did was it gave me a persona. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't just there as myself, but I was also. You were there as (laughs) Jocelyn. I was Flashy sort of, career lady. Yeah, I was and sort of incognito. Yeah, it's like a little buffer. <laughs> it was. I and that. I don't normally wear glasses, so it was like I was looking, at, you know, I was looking through different, uh, through different eyes. I could see that. I could see it being a little, kind of a little shield yeah. between you and them, mm-hmm. making it a little easier. And now I really want to try it, even though I wear glasses. <laughs> and my prescription, like whenever people try it on, they're always like, what the shit? <laughs> and one time my eye doctor... The last time I was there, I was asking him, at what point are you legally blind? Because my prescription is like 1400 over 1600 Like, it's ridiculous. And I was like, at what point are you considered legally blind? And he was like, well, and I was like, like, am I considered, like, legally would I be considered partially sighted? Or no, partially blind. I was like, am I partially blind? And he goes, we like to think of it as partially sighted. <laughs> I was like, oh, isn't that nice? What I would be asking is, at what point am I eligible for services? Yeah. Say, a dog. Um, apparently not until corrective lenses no longer help. Oh. And so my contacts are negative seven and they only go up to negative eight. Wow. So I'm close, baby. <laughs> close to living You're in getting that, there, getting that disability there. dream. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wow. close. But I, the glasses I have are so thick that they make my eyes look like bug eye, like <laughs> tiny beady little dog eyes and they look really <laughs> scary and they're not sexy at all. 
People are always like, ooh, put your glasses on. <laughs> nope, never mind. Contacts all the way. So I want to go get fake ones now and start wearing them around and look librarian Well, well like smart. I told you, I have multiple pairs because yeah. now it's part of my accessory repertoire. It's great. Which, like, I wore some giant big tortoiseshell glasses the other day. And what I love about it is, like, nobody will say anything yeah. to you about it. Like, it's so obviously, ex- like, an extreme accessory. Mm-hmm. Like, my sweater. <laughs> Or your earrings that are different lengths? God, you're killing me. And you can see people, like, look at you and register it, and yet they they, know, they never say anything. Well, I feel like it's a weird... Because I've seen other people get really upset with someone for wearing fake glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's a comedian friend I have, Tamara Catan, who's very funny, who just won the World Series of Comedy. He wears... And I'm so sorry to out you here, Tamara. He wears glasses, and they're fake. And he wears them just as, like, just on stage, kind of as, like, a persona thing, like you said... And somebody found out that they weren't a real prescription glasses at a festival and they were like totally yelling at him and like freaking out and like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's not fair to the people who actually have to wear glasses. And I was like, why are there like eight pair and we have to share and this fucking guy's doing it for an accessory? Like it doesn't, who yeah, cares? I mean, whatever. Like I, I told my friend, um, told one of my friends that I was considering wearing fake glasses to my interview and this was a job that I really really wanted and so I was trying to think of like every way to have um an advantage and she was really offended she's like don't don't be a don't be fake don't be an imposter (laughs) and um so but she was the only one that said that everybody else was like that is a genius idea I like the idea of her being offended you being like no no no, I have nearsighted friends (laughs) Like, I have this nearsighted friend, she said it's okay, and she's like, that's our word, kind of thing, you know? Like, and also, the, they're so available. Like, there yeah. was at least, I, I went to I went to Claire's, but I also went to multiple other of those same kind of stores, like Claire's, and they the all had... The place that the from? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that would not hire me in high school, I yeah. was a not recommended hire. <laughs> Little did they know. Um, yeah, and they all had, like, multiple, multiple pairs of totally fake glasses everybody knew when I walked in yeah what I was asking for it was not like I had to go online and get this you know no this, no this fake you know it wasn't like getting fake ears or something it's so like, it's like my for a while um my stepdaughter had a fake nose ring for a little bit yeah and and then when like one of her friends found out she was like oh my god that's so poser and I was like who, who cares? You didn't put a <laughs> hole in your face. And now when you're like, nah. Right. How is, how is getting a real nose ring not being a poser yeah. also? It's like, commit, <laughs> commit, or don't do it at all. Okay? Either you put, either you either you gouge an eye out and you need the glasses, <laughs> or you don't get to wear them. Okay? And also, like, it's not my fault I have perfect vision. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I hate you a little. <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah. You know what? I have very little going for me. <laughs> can I at least you can have, have perfect vision? Perfect. All right. All right. You can have perfect vision. You can have perfect vision. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. Oh I my love God. that. And I also love that you you described everyone you worked with. You said, I work with a lot of bangs and bobs. <laughs> and I love that immediately I knew exactly the women you were talking to, the women in the arts organizations mm-hmm. with the, who are usually in there, like, 
40s, 50s with the bangs and the bobs. Yeah. And lovely women. Lovely. Worked for them forever. And they all have, like, kind of statement jewelry. Statement jewelry. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, that, that they got at an arts fair, arts festival, or a museum shop. And yeah. it's all very chic. But if you say, I love your necklace, they can't just go, oh, thank you. They go, oh, thank you. No, I was in Minnesota. Right. And it was this wonderful little boutique. And, like, you get a hit. Or they'll name the artist that yeah. made it. They know oh, the yeah, name of the person. Oh, yeah. She's a... a and I'm American hoping they artist. don't ask me because I'm like, I got this at Fred Meyer. <laughs> there was a woman recently, uh, a Bangs and Bob, and I was like standing in line next to her somewhere, and I was like, oh, I love your necklace. Um, and, and it was like a, a little piece of bone and a couple other things, and I was like, that's beautiful. Is that – and I was like, is that a carving? Is that – and she goes, oh, no, uh, it's an original. And I was like, <laughs> an original what? And she – and it was a, an original um, tusk. Oh. That she had gotten in Alaska, oh. and I and I don't know. I that might mean that it's ivory and very illegal, <laughs> but I don't think so. But she was just like, oh, it's an original, like as in, this uh, is an art piece. This is an art piece. It's not a <laughs> necklace. Sure. And I was like, uh, oh, okay. And yeah. it had clearly cost quite a bit of money, and she was upset that I was like, cool necklace, bro. <laughs> That's nice. No, no. You can't have something like this. Oh, no, These no, things no, are no. not for people like you. No, you don't understand. An entire culture was destroyed for this <laughs> necklace. It's pretty meaningful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it was very funny. I aspire to that. Yeah. But I'm not there. <laughs> You're yeah. gonna, I'm starting Jocelyn, with I this sweater. I believe in you. T- today, that sweater and fake, fake glasses. glasses. <laughs> Tomorrow, real glasses. And Inuit. And I'm going to get that black cashmere just as soon as I can figure out how to afford cashmere. I always, I wish I could wear turtlenecks. I have a, I have two turtleneck dresses that I bought and was like, yeah, this is who I am Why now. And then every time I wear them, I put them on and I'm like, no. Poser. No. Yeah. I'm like, you're not serious enough to be wearing a turtleneck dress around. Who are you? Who do you think you are? Turtleneck dresses. One, actually, one of them is this beautiful, it was, uh, I got it from a little boutique in San Luis Obispo. <laughs> It's this dark, dark purple. It's so beautiful. Oh, like an aubergine. An aubergine, yeah. <laughs> and it's cashmere, and it's gorgeous. And I got it for $12 at this little thrift store. And I wore it once. And the whole time I was like, you're not fancy enough for this dress. Who who are you? You you rode to the Dairy Queen on a donkey, bitch. <laughs> like, take that cashmere shit off. And I couldn't. I could never wear it again. I felt like an imposter. Really? I never feel like an imposter Um, not even when I'm wearing fake glasses, but I think because I feel like everybody is kind of a poser. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm always overdressed. I'm often, you know, the only one wearing high heels in a situation. Um, and I kind of like being that person. But like yeah. I said, I kind of like being that person that nobody will ever call me out on it. But see, and it looks so no, natural. I know they're on you. Like, like, no, it doesn't. But I if just I saw you, they wear it. No, if I see if I saw you in jeans and a t-shirt, I would be like, "What happened? Who died? What's wrong? <laughs> Are you okay?" I do have now, as a, a woman in my mid thirties, two pairs of jeans. I was just gonna ask you if you own jeans. <laughs> Dylan, when we moved in together, he didn't own any jeans. He didn't own a single pair of jeans. And I was so baffled by that. Like, how do you But see, the reason I don't have jeans is because they're always ill-fitting on me. Yeah, I cannot find a pair of jeans that are flattering, that feel good, that I'm not constantly hitching up or pulling down. Or, like, I have short legs. I have wide ass. Like, jeans are really, really ugly on me. And so I think I've developed my 
the my wardrobe based on what I feel like is it flattering, a, a somewhat flattering. Yeah, because I'm dealing with like <laughs> a lot of pieces parts here that don't fit together. But perfect, the wrong ratio, as my mom would vision. say. Perfect, perfect vision. vision. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, all right. Let's get into our usual list here. Okay. What are so, we gonna do first? Um, I let's do mansplain this for me. Okay. And so I forgot to tweet out our questions. Right. But luckily, I from last week. Um, last week. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was a week ago or a month, maybe more. Oh, but we also forgot to say that this is our holiday special. This is no. I said that in the beginning. Oh, we did. It's a holiday special. Let's re. Let's just reiterate one more time. Hey guys, <laughs> this welcome is to our holiday table. <laughs> I mean, no, no, sorry. Couples cake holiday edition. Um, no, last. Last time I asked uh, for some, because I was getting harassed on the internet and crap, and I was asking, should I continue to speak up and say that stuff and get harassed, or is it better for my career and for my sanity to just be quiet? And I didn't ask for anybody to mansplain it to me, but luckily, (laughs) because, of course, I had uh, a bunch of guys just, without being asked, tell me what I should do and um, mansplain heavily. Uh, what, so what was the consensus? Was there um, one? Well, it, it was funny because I ended up having a really big argument with like three of the guys in my life who I'm closest to, really good men, who were like, you need to not like stir shit. You need to not be stirring the shit. And I ended up having, and, and then one of them said, you need to not stir shit. And then another one was like, you need to not stir shit and you need to remember your tone. Oh, God, the tone. And then another one, the other one was like, you need to not stir shit. And also, you're not doing enough in your daily life to prevent sexism. So, what? And these what are does like, that even mean? So these are like men in my life who I respect, I admire, who I don't consider sexist, dirtbags. Who I'm guessing you're no longer talking to? No, well, actually, I had it out in a big way with all three of these guys separately. Like, it just happened, like, one after another where I was like, what the fuck? But I had huge fights with all of them. And in the end... Did you win? I did. In the <laughs> end, I did it. Because I finally was like... And, like, huge fights because they were like, I'm not being sexist. I'm like, you are. And I had this realization that, like, that is so hard for good guys to hear. For actual, right. like, not dirtbags who you're like, you're a sexist piece of shit. And they're like, whatever. Right. But, like, really good men have a very hard time hearing that criticism. And when finally they were like, oh, my God... I'm being really sexist right now. It was very devastating for them. And they were very upset. And they were like, oh, my God, I'm a piece of shit. And I was like, no, like, you made a mistake. You said the wrong thing. You believed the wrong thing. But listen to me when I'm telling you that you're being sexist. So finally, they all apologized. And they were all all like, I should not have said that to you. That is terrible. That's horrible that I would say that. But it was really kind of funny that I forgot to ask ask for the mansplaining. Got it anyway. You know, it's like maybe... Maybe we're looking when we don't need to. <laughs> Maybe it should be this week it was mansplained to me since it's going to come whether we ask for well, it or no, not. Well, no, I think the whole point of mansplain this to me was to kind of preempt yeah. those conversations. Don't need to. <laughs> like yeah. there are certain things that, yeah, feel free, mansplain this to me. I'm up for it. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, I think I think it kind of inherent or, or built into the term mansplaining is things that you, you don't really need explained to explain to you. To you. Yeah. Or and you're having things explained to you that aren't actually true or relevant or right. good or like good advice or or they're mansplaining something that you're like I'm the expert right in this you have done this for a year I've done this for twenty years you're right. I'm the expert 
Um, and it actually, in all, and I think what the what more we were going for was like in all three of these guys' cases, um, they were mansplaining something to me because they care about me and they didn't want to see me get hurt further or struggle further, which I understand is kind of part of that weird sexist where it's like, I care about you and I'm kind of infantilizing you and acting like you can't take care of yourself, which wasn't like, I think what we were going for was more like you you want to help. Here's an opportunity. Right. Exactly. Here's a chance. So, um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of an, a weird, like interesting. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, what I think is probably going to happen is that we are going to ask for advice and have think to have things mansplained to us. But we'll also be getting a lot of unsolicited commentary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm ready for that. Yes. Yeah. You know. So what do you have in this week? What do you have? What do you need mansplained? So what I need mansplained is why are you still texting me? Oh my god, that's so good. So, and this has happened now. Now I feel like this. This is this is something that is reoccurring in my life where I'm in a relationship for forever how for however long, and then we break up doesn't matter who did it or whatever. Um, but then the, the other person, the guy will continue to text me Mm -hmm. and I'm really actually genuinely, um, interested as to why. Mm -hmm. So my last relationship ended in September and, uh, he did the breaking up. I didn't want it, whatever. Um, I was upset probably more than he was about it, but I, you know, have had no contact, no, no interest in having contact with him. And every two or three weeks, he'll just, I'll just get a text from him. And it's, it's really not important things. Like he texted me about whether or not he what it was my car that he saw in the shop, um, that was on his route. Um, he, he texted me, um, to see, what was it? The, basically, the gist was just checking to see if you're alive. <sighs> you know, like, so what do you want out of this? Yeah. Why, you don't want to be in a relationship with me. You don't want to be friends with me. You don't want to, like, have a phone call or an email with me. But every two to three weeks, you're going to text me? Yeah. For what? And it's just kind of to leave... So, so initially, I would be like, it's just because he's leaving that door open in case he's like, hey, want to bang? You know, but, but I have guys do that to me who I haven't even dated, but like guys I meet comedians usually right. who will text, like we'll be texting about a show or something and then they'll text me something flirtatious and I'll be like, Hey, no, I have a boyfriend. I'm not interested. And they're like, Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then I feel like they check in like every so often where they're like, Oh, Hey, I, I saw a red car today. thought of you or something. I don't have a red car, but you right. know, like they'll just say something mundane. Like you said, and I'm like, Okay. Like, are you just making sure I'm not single? You're just throwing it out, you know, throwing the line back out there and then reeling it in. Nope, still empty. You know, like. Right. Is it just to keep a just-in-case open? Is it just loneliness? You know? I'm really curious about it. I am because too. in this case, I feel like I've thrown out a couple of, like, oh, are you trying to get back in touch with me because you want to revisit something? And every time I've done that, it's like, oh, no, no, no. No, no, I'm no. Just, I'm just checking I, You know what I think it is? Is I think, this is my theory, and, and any man out there can, can clear this up for me. I feel like it's not just men who do this, because I have a lot of guy friends who will be like, why does this girl keep texting me? And I'm like, she's back burnering you. Uh-huh. Just in case 
she finds herself alone and single and sad, she can be like, hey, what have you been up to? And she can, like, if you keep someone back burner, you can kind of keep that person on the line indefinitely. Like, it's a way to make sure that you're never truly alone. Like, if you have enough of those back burner bitches. Okay, so then what the heck do you do about that? Because I don't want to be somebody's back burner bitch. I th- you know, I, like, I'm just, I'm friendly. I, I never initiate it. I never, never, never initiate the yeah. contact. And... But I'm a courteous person, yeah. so I respond and say, oh, you know, I'm fine. How are you? I guess it depends. Um, so I've had a couple of friends I've advised them. I've been, like, after they've been like, why does she keep doing this? It's painful for them to get contacted. And so exactly. I've been like, tell them no. Say, don't contact me anymore. I don't want to have a relationship. We're not friends. I think that's sort of this stupid idea that got, like, because of, like, the 90s, in the 90s, everybody was like, you need to be friends after you break up, uh, because of the show Friends, is my theory, (laughs) it was like, oh, everybody has to be friends, I don't believe that, I think it's perfectly fine when you break up to be like, we're not friends, and to just I feel like there has to, whether you're going to be friends or not, there has to be a period of no contact, yeah, total separation, yeah, and I I think it's a pain, very painful for some people to continue contact with somebody who doesn't care about them, well, seriously, it throws me off. Because yeah. I'll just be going about my day. And, you know, it's been sub- since September, so I feel like I'm over it. I've yeah. moved on. And then I'll get that little ping, and it just, like, it'll kind of ruin my day. Yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah. Because you were rejected by this person, and then they're continuing to fuck with you. And and I think it's a really dis- – like, if you've broken up with someone and you continue to fuck with them that like that, I think that's cruel. Like, I think it's cruel to continue contacting someone after you've rejected them. I think sometimes people do it because they know they've hurt someone's feelings and they don't they don't want that person to hurt. So they're like, oh, well, I'll just continue to pretend to be friends with them. That way they never like they never have to acknowledge that they hurt somebody's feelings and they never have to deal with like, oh, I hurt this person. I think and now this person has to sit in it. Yeah, I think he's just so he he doesn't want to take ownership for for hurting me. Yeah. So he's going to pretend like he didn't really hurt me or it was just maybe yeah. it was less than. Uh, yeah. I hear sometimes I hear people say like, um, well, I didn't, I didn't hurt anybody. Like I've never, I've never, some, this guy once told me I've never had anybody fall out of love with me. Like I'm still, I still love and they still love me and I'm still friends with everybody I've dated. And I was like, you're a shithead. Right. <laughs> That's a shithead thing to say. Like let people fucking fall out of love with you. Like, accept that you hurt someone and move on and let them move on. Let them process their pain and be done. Right. Don't continue to stick your finger in the wound and be like, whether out of ego or out of the unwillingness to admit that you rejected someone. Right. I think that's a very codependent, like, oh, I, I hurt you, but I don't want you to be hurt. So please don't be annoying about this. Don't be annoying and be hurt. <laughs> that kind of bums me out. So he continues pinging you and, like, bringing that hurt up. When really, if he left you the fuck alone, you'd be over him in a month. Right. Which maybe he doesn't want, or maybe he does. You know, it's hard to say with people's... That's... There. So. I mansplained that pretty goddamn well, <laughs> I think. You really did. I mean, we came up with a lot of theories, and I'm interested but, in hearing from somebody who... I, you know what? I would like to hear from somebody who does that. Yeah, me too. I don't do that. Yeah. Um, And I don't... Like, I will resist any form of communication. I'll be like, it's all over. Everything is yeah. gone. And, um, on either side, whether I'm the breaker upper or whether I'm the break Yeah. So I'm really curious for somebody who actually does that. What is the reasoning? I will, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, 
men were like, oh, no, he's just trying to fuck you. Like, if I'm putting all this emotional stuff and being like, maybe, maybe, maybe. And if a lot of guys are like, nope. Guys are just always trying to be like, eh, can we still fuck? But I don't know. If that, that's not what I think. I think it's more emotional. But I'm interested to hear from someone who does it. Right. In fact, I know people who do it. And I'm going to make them answer. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Because I've been curious, too. Because, like, when after my divorce, I purposely was very careful to not give any loose ends that way. Yeah. To not be like, but maybe someday. Because I was like, no, this is hard enough right. without this idea that maybe we work this out. So I was very careful to never do that. But I have friends who've gone through divorce whose ex just continues to be like, I think about you all the time. I miss you. And it's like. Whether you do or whether not. Whether you do or you don't. Leave keep it alone. to yourself. Yeah, leave them alone. That's what I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not a loose ends person. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Once that bandaid is ripped off, it's done. Yeah. And I want to move on. And I, I feel like you, sh- you should give the, the other person the peace. To move on. I feel like bridge burning has gotten a very bad rap. Right. <laughs> when really it can be a very healthy way to be like, you oh, and I I'm are a not a good. Burner. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like, we're not a good fit. We're done here. Like I've gotten shit for like uh, blocking people on Facebook when I'm like, no, I have nothing left. I don't want to. Do we need to continue to pretend to have a friendship here or a relationship? Like we're done. We're done. I, I don't understand the people that remain friends on Facebook yeah. With their exes. Brutal. I mean, that is the first thing that I do. I do not want to see Brutal. where they are, what they're doing. And oh. all of these people are like, oh, no, I'm friends, you know, friends on Facebook with all my... I mean, that's so painful. I had to make a rule that people... I want to pretend they died. Me too. <laughs> I, I had to make a rule that people couldn't tell me about my exes Facebook. Oh, yeah. Because people be like, say. did you see that thing he posted? I'm like, don't... I'm not friends. I blocked him on every social media for a reason because I don't want to see any of that stuff. I it, think it's the healthiest way to go. Me too. Yeah. And, and, and I think, unfortunately, social media has made it easier for us to keep people in our lives that do not need to be in our lives or are not healthy to have in our lives. Yeah. So I don't want to be part no, of that. No, I'm, I'm a, I'm <laughs> a big time unfriender. <laughs> like, and a couple of people have been like, that's some junior high to unfriend somebody. And I'm like, why? Why, why is it unfriend? It's having healthy boundaries. You'd be like, nope. You know what? Them. You know what's terrible is having people in your life that you would never continue to have in your life if yeah. there wasn't social media. Yeah, exactly. Like people that I was not friends with in high school that are now my friends on Facebook. Why? Those yeah. people, if I, if we had been living 25 years ago, those people would have just disappeared from my life forever. Yeah. And now I have to like look at their baby pictures. Yeah. Why? Yeah, my uh, abusive, shitty after high school boyfriend who was a complete monster to me and stole my car, <laughs> friended me on Facebook a few years ago, and I accepted just out of pure what? And and he like started messaging me. He was like, "You look real good. You seem happy. <laughs> you have, what's your car?" And I'm like, "What are you right doing? Now? You still drinking Coors and fucking playing death metal? Yep, cool, great. Right Don't on. Wait. Lives in Cuna now. It's pretty happy. It's pretty happy too." <laughs> But like I was like, why are we? We don't need to. We don't need to refriend, be friends. No, no, we don't. Okay. So okay. what do you need mansplained? Um, you know, I don't know if I have anything this week. I like I said, I've gotten a lot of unsolicited mansplaining in the last few weeks, and uh, I don't. I don't. This is your I, opportunity. Uh, <laughs> no. What's your conundrum? <laughs> um. Anything specific to? Say the holidays, skating, skating, coupling. <laughs> no, I don't. You know, I just I feel like yours is a really good one. 
I feel okay. like it's a very solid mansplain, and, and we'll get a lot of responses. And I and I'm totally on board. I feel like the same way, like <laughs> because I do. Like I said, I get a lot of texts from guys that I'm like, what is the pur- why are you talking to me? Like, what is the purpose here? And, and is I, it just that they're like they're just texting everybody because yeah. they're bored? So then, like I always wonder in in is this one text that I get in a series of texts that somebody's just going down their contacts right. list. Con- like contacting every pretty girl on their friends list, you know, or their contact list. Right. Yeah, I so wonder that bite. too. And like, because there have been times where I've just ignored somebody and not texted back and been like, what? No, I'm not. And then they'll text me again with like almost the same text oh. in a couple weeks. Like, hey, how's comedy treating you? And I don't respond. And then in a couple weeks. How's the comedy life going? I'm like, do you remember that you texted me? Maybe people are just high. <laughs> That's we just explained it. Yeah, people are high. Yeah, and we did talk about last week about how we don't really want to get calls. I was gonna say, just call me no, if you want. If you no, want, but, I'm not. but then I'm like, no, don't call me. No, don't do but that. But also, don't text me. Yeah, you know. Yeah, let's just let's just call it, I, call it good. I feel like at any given time, this is this is my other theory. Okay, a a my first theory is emotions. My second theory is at any given time, I just assume a guy is laying in bed with his hand on his cock, <laughs> waiting for you to talk him off. That is a hundred percent true. In fact, when when girls have said to me like, "Well, we were texting," and then all of a sudden he just stopped texting, I'm like he ejaculated, <laughs> he was done. You guys were talking oh, and it was sexy. So heartbreaking. It is, and I but I think it's so like there. I really think at any time there's a guy hand on his hand on his wiener. Text in a bunch. He texts like 15 women, and then he's like waiting for some sexy responses, seeing who will send nudes. That's all I think that is. Is there like who's sending nudes? Anybody sending nudes? See, I've never sent anybody a nude, so the chances of them getting that from me are. I, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm not gonna say slim to none. I'm gonna say none. That see, but then that just makes it even better because then they feel super special. Because if you were to send one, they'd be like. Oh, I'm super special. Yeah. How about, how about a picture of me in this sweater? <laughs> I'll send that to you. You can. That would cheer me up every day. So this reminds me of a, one of a blog post that I made, and uh, it, this was probably three or four years ago. And I had gone out on a couple of dates with this guy, and then it was clear that we weren't compatible. And he texted me, "Hey, happy holidays!" And I texted back because I was really surprised to hear from him. I was like, "Oh, hi. How are you?" And, you know, it was just, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? And then I was like, hey, want to grab a drink sometime? And he's like, oh, I'm going to Portland here next week. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. So, and so then I responded back and I said, I don't understand why you text me every couple of months. And I I know I'm not your type. I know I'm not, you know, what, what you're looking for. So what's the deal? Why are you texting? And he just responded back, just saying, hey. Oh my God. I was like, really? As he texts his boner, right? <laughs> Damn it. They're on to us. <laughs> Doesn't want to go have a drink. No. <laughs> but just... he just wants to say hey every two months for the rest of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to stay in touch. <laughs> Not, I mean, a little bit. Right. <laughs> you know, at a very at a limited amount. Just the most, yeah, benign, banal, non-comments. <laughs> yeah. I... It also makes me want to, I mean, I would never do this because it's just not my personality, but it makes me want to go through like my, my list of contacts and just randomly text people Oh, and see what happens. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just see what, pick, okay. Are we going to have Let's a challenge? Let's both pick someone completely at random. From now on, we text that person every two weeks. 
<laughs> hey. But it has to, just someone just ran. Just saying hey. Just saying hey. <laughs> hey. And they're like, hey, do you want to hang out? No. No. No, I don't want to hang just out with you. Just saying hey. <laughs> Maybe we should pick guys that have done that to us. But but we'll text him every day. Hey. When they'll be like, what? Just saying hey. I literally, when I lived in Tucson, had a guy for years. Every single, like, Friday, Saturday night would get drunk. The guy was married, and I had told oh. him from the very beginning, do not want to date you. You're married, not interested. And he would text me every time he got drunk, and I'd be like, hey, baby, just checking <sighs> in. Friday night would be so much more fun with you for years. And I never, ever responded for years. You can I, see the whole thing there, on my blog. There <laughs> I call are, him a toxic texter. There are guys on Facebook who do that to me, who I've never responded to, not once. Who I'm like, I don't even, I like had accepted their friend, friend's request when I accepted like 90 at a time. Right. And they're like, hey, you're beautiful, love you, you're so great. And I don't respond. Hey. And like a lot of times those have devolved very quickly into, you fucking whore. Right. You're, you're fat anyway. Nobody wants you. I'm going to come to your house. You know, those usually devolve pretty quickly. But I do have a couple that just checking in, just checking in. Like we're, it's like these weird ones. You know why? It's because we're objects. To those guys, you're just an object. It doesn't re- it doesn't matter if you respond back anyway. They're just talking at you. Hey, baby, blah blah blah. Okay. And if you don't respond, it doesn't matter. It's just so completely different to be a man than a woman. Yeah. Because I can't even imagine behaving that way. No. Like I I'm trying to think. I'm like scanning my brain for an equivalent of what of doing that would be for yeah. a girl. Yeah. Like no nothing because like stranger. Just reaching out to a stranger to, like, berate them with some sort of commentary. Yeah. To critique their appearance. To uh, to just be like, oh, hey, I thought you were sexy. To I have them? never, I have never just reached out to a dude and been like, hey, just so you know, you look real hot in those swim trunks. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that to my boyfriend <laughs> in two years. <laughs> or, like, continuing. If I text somebody and they don't text back. That's Within it. two days, they're dead to me. Right. Like I'm like, oh, okay, so we're not friends anymore. That we're done. <laughs> so if I was to text somebody and then I haven't, I don't know that I've ever like beyond someone I know just didn't see it. Continuing to text someone who is not answering, that's mind-boggling to me. Who is clearly like not interested in talking to you in any way. Yeah, no. Maybe they're used to like some sort of bot. You know what? Maybe actually. <laughs> I have a friend um, who transitioned from a man to a woman, um, and she's so she's a woman now. And she was saying how since she's lived on both sides of the street, that women as a woman you're harassed all the time. You're constantly just inundated with messages, and and like oh like you know she'll get like fifty OK Cupid responses a day, and it's just overwhelming and exhausting. But she was like, you don't understand that living as a man, you don't you will never understand as a woman. The soul crushing loneliness that men have. That I you... can imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm there. Well, no, because like, so, okay, you still get a lot of attention though from dudes. Like, you're, you're beautiful and you're like, I like guys still. I wouldn't say I get a lot of attention from men. Like, once a week, two times a week. Like, there are guys who go years without anyone. Like, she was saying, how, as a man, she would sometimes go months without anyone talking to her. Like, she never got a response on OkCupid. She never got contacted. And, like, how, as a man, 
she would go years without physical touch, physical affection, that her options were just basically zero and that she, whenever she would try to approach a woman, she was always terrified of coming across gross or like, you know, um, too strong. Well then don't be gross. Yeah. And I, but she was, you know, and I, I've thought that about men that it does seem much lonelier. So maybe it does drive you but I don't think it's less lonely to be inundated with no, it's not. really impersonal It's messages. just different lonely. Like, that's why, I mean, I did mm-hmm. internet dating many, many years ago, and I was so horrified by oh. the experience. Yeah. I mean, I, it, was, it was traumatic. Yeah. How aggressive and negative and um, judgmental. It's awful. And, I mean, it was... And insulting, like all those things. And it was, it felt so impersonal. It was like, oh, how would you ever get to know anybody through this? Because everybody who's contacting you isn't interested in knowing you. Yeah. So that felt very lonely. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's just as lonely. It's just a different kind of lonely. Did you see that thing where the comedian posed as a woman on OkCupid? Mm-mm. And it was a, like a very beautiful woman picture. A friend of his let her, let him make a whole profile. But what like then posted kind of a live blog of the thing. And I thought it was so funny how surprised all the men reading it were about how awful it was to be a like everybody was like, whoa, it sucks to be a woman. Oh, my God. And he was saying how how he would be talking to men and they would be like, are you going to fuck me or not? And he'd be like, no, I want to. I'm just kind of looking for a relationship. And they'd be like, fuck you, whore. But then when he and like offer a bunch of abuse. But then when he would go back to those same guys and be like hey, I was a man on here pretending to be a woman for, you know, a journalistic piece, they would be like, oh, sorry, man. I'm sorry I used that kind of language with you. Uh, I didn't mean to be rude. But I would use it to a woman? But I would use it to a woman, no problem. But because you came out, like, none of them were mad that he had, like, catfished him. They were just like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was so rude to you. Like, how fucking telling is that? That a lot of these guys apologized once they figured out it was a man. They were like, oh, I would never talk to a man this way. I was like, oh, Jesus. And even if you're not on a dating site, like... You get so much solicitation, and it is. It's a different kind of lonely and sad. But I just, I sometimes think that in the, in much the way men are really surprised by how awful it is to be constantly inundated, I think it would be probably surprising to just nobody ever gave a fuck about you. Like, no one ever was like, hey, you're pretty. And that's why guys think we want that. Maybe guys think, like, I would love for somebody to contact me and tell me I'm I look nice in my... Swim trunks. That would be great. You are hot. You you are hot. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Should we <clears throat> collectively, as a gender, just start doing a ton of that, and then they'll be like, oh, I feel good. <laughs> like, let's all maybe we just all need to start lady splaining and and like replying actually to everything a guy posts, but also. Spend a ton of time being like, you're hot. Well, what was, I don't, I don't know if you follow Aziz Ansari at all, but you know, he's done this. Um, he wrote the, the book about modern love and a lot on texting. And my favorite part of it is it's so easy to do it the right way. Yeah. It's not like you have to be a master manipulator and, you know, a Lothario of language That's to so get true. a good response. Like, you have to make a tiny, tiny bit of effort. You need to be specific. You need to ask for a date at a specific time and place. Like, it's yeah. so easy to do just it right. Just show you're a civil person. Yeah. Show you're a human yeah. being. Like, honestly, it takes just the tiniest, tiniest bit of charm yeah. to 
like get a response instead of just being a horrendous asshole. And I like honestly, I feel like anytime I would meet a guy who wasn't just entitled, I would want to sleep with him out of principle. Mm-hmm. Because any guy who's like, "Hi, so nice to meet you. Don't feel pressured. I would love to buy you a drink. Not a big deal if not." And if 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 like if a guy could do that and not be an entitled prick about it, it's like I feel like you'd go out with him on principle, totally. you know, just because you'd be like, sure, you don't make me feel threatened or like I owe you sex. Sure. Yeah. This could be fun. Agreed. Uh, I mean, when I think back at who I've gone on dates with, it's because they were just courteous people. Yeah. <laughs> and they weren't necessarily people that I was attracted to or that ended up having a relationship, but they were just courteous and civil and, you know, made me feel like I was a human being by talking to me and looking me in the eye and you know, noticing something nice about me and flattering me in a not creepy, gross way. Yeah. Like, sure, I will go out with you. Yeah. That's that easy. Do that, you guys. Do (laughs) that, shut in. (laughs) All right, let's move on to this week in moms. You've got some mom stuff. No, you start. Come on! (laughs) All right, I'll I'll start. Um, This week in moms, my parents came. I haven't done a show in Boise for quite a while, and my whole family came to liquid to see me do comedy and you know my family was not super on board about the whole comedy thing for quite a while they were really like well this caused your divorce you're just hanging out in bars you know legitimate concerns (laughs) I suppose um but they were really supportive and it was really fun and we had a really fun show um and afterward my mom wrote me she for um mother's day she had written me a whole list of joke premises and so this was uh, after she was so inspired by seeing me do comedy. She wrote me a whole bunch more premises and I was going to share a couple of them because they're like the Please most amazing do. thing. Okay. These are my mom's joke premises. If you were stranded on a desert island, what's the one dot, dot, dot question mark? So she's telling me these at the other night she, she came over and was telling me these. And I was like, there's, that's not a joke. And she's like, well, you fill in the dot, dot, dot. You're the comedian. And I'm like, but that's not, it's like half a thing. And she's like, well, I'm not the comedian. Use the truth or dare game to dot, 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 question mark. How to get your way in any situation with anyone, dot, dot, dot. I don't know. Um, this is comedy gold. I know, I, I know. I not see it. How is this not already part of your repertoire? <laughs> I and I she she was so some of these things are like my mom had a okay. How when you try to help a child with homework they suddenly stroke so you are understanding and empathy empathetic. It just happened to you as a child or not understanding. You did your homework by yourself. You were an easy kid, but you know your brother. <laughs> it's a mystery. They can't answer who they are. They lose all language skills. They can't utter recognizable works. Lose eye contact. They bone soften. They can't help it. They repeatedly slide off the chair. Emily, there's lots of physical comedy there. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that she writes these in like a stream of conscience, like conscious, like, and then she always tells me, you know, there's lots of physical comedy there. And you're so good with your body. You're so funny with your body. And I don't know what that means, but I really enjoy it. Um, talk about that horrible realization you get that when you're like, oh, no, I'm like my parents, parentheses, but don't you make me cry, end parentheses. Um, and this, I think, is my favorite. 
these people make it you for comedic effect. Believed the world was going to end on January dot dot dot. And you gave everything away and didn't send your kids to school because rapture. <laughs> because rapture. <laughs> but then the date passed and they picked a new date but nothing left. Well then what? Huh? You gave your blank away. Now you can't brush your teeth. <laughs> Toothbrush. Toothbrush, ma. It's... <laughs> That's a pretty easy one. You can replace that. There's a Walgreens on every corner. No, you what can't. are you going to do? No, you can't because you gave away your money. Can't call my mom. Put your phone plan on hold. Oh, just kidding. I wouldn't put my phone plan on hold in case the rapture was delayed. But now your kids are behind in school. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I, uh, oh, and the last one. Um, no, I have to do this one too. Personality of all your dogs verbalized like you do with Jack. You know, talking real slow. Do Chippy and B and Lish. Lots of physical comedy there. And then the last one. Because you're so good with your body. You're so good can with you your do, body. You, how are you doing a dog? <laughs> and then this is my favorite. You grew up on PBS and NPR in the car all time. Watching PBS in the car all the time. Because of that, your perception of reality is skewed, naive, and liberal. <laughs> Just a criticism, not a joke. Just my mom criticizing me. Telling me that my position on everything is skewed, naive, and liberal. Well, that's, I also that's, grew up that way. So I mean, cheers to that. That's this week in my mom. Let's do yours. Well, I don't really have much to report because I am in a feud with my mom right now. Ooh, which doesn't happen very often, and is. Entirely resides with me being incapable of dealing with my mom, um, especially in times of stress. Um, when I'm having stress, she is the one that can push my buttons more than anybody. Oh, sure, yeah. And um, her response to anything happening to me is never to ask me what's going on and how she can help, but it's to assume she knows what's going on, never knows what's going on. <laughs> she is never accurate in her assumptions. <laughs> And then um, she applies some sort of pop psychology yammering at it. So she has, um, she is a major follower of Oprah. Oh. Oprah is her Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, but she's also, for as long as I can remember, been a self-help person. Mm -hmm. Like loves to read a self-help book. I swear to you... <laughs> Nothing has helped her. Like she, she's constantly reading all of these things about strategies to, you know, to be more successful, to be happier, to have better relationships. She has always been exactly the same. It's never changed. <laughs> all it is now is that she has more vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was having a very stressful moment over the Thanksgiving break and, um, was, you know, I was visibly irritated and then she launched into telling me, you know, I don't, I don't even remember. I was just, I was in a white hot rage <laughs> and she started talking and I just said, I can't even talk to you for like a couple of weeks after this, like until Christmas, I'm, I just can't deal with you. Yeah. And so that's where we're at. So you're not even, 
Well, what's going to happen is that she's going to write me a letter. Oh, God damn it. Yeah, and it's going to have some newspaper clippings or magazine clippings. No, your mom does that too. Yes. So she won't actually have a phone conversation with me or a conversation with me in person. She will, like I said, assume she knows what's going on, and then she will apply said knowledge, in quotation marks, um, to to that and will write me a long letter and then it will be like, I just love you so much and I want you to be happy and you know, I'm your biggest ally and like all these things that are really nice, but actually have nothing to do with anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's where we're at. And I'm, I'm And then she includes the newspaper clippings. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she'll like draw little (sighs) pictures and circle things and there'll always be like a quote, like Mm. a famous quote written on the side, like in a little cloud. Oh my God. So that sounds very similar, like, cause my family doesn't talk about stuff. They just get very Swedish and quiet and then nobody discusses it. But then very often I would get a letter or an email from my mom. Like if it went on long enough, I would get it something where she would be like, you know, I'm just trying to be your friend here and I love you so much. And I just, I see you're really struggling right now. And, but the same thing, like never being like, Hey, I pissed you off. I'm sorry. I pissed you off. Like, a complete inability to say, like, uh, like I feel like that whole, I love you, I love you, and I'm your biggest ally is a way to always, like, shift the focus away from um, maybe mistakes were made. Right. You know? Or maybe I said something that pissed you off. And it's like, my, my mom has, a, like, this very, like, strict, um, like, she can't ever say, oh, yeah, I, I probably, I probably fucked that up. I'm sorry. You know? Like, I, I mean, I guess she, that's not true. She could, but she couldn't also do it while admitting that maybe it hurts your feelings, you know? Like, right. And so then I get the letter and the clippings and. Yeah. And I, I think with my mom, it's that, and I have been thinking about this a lot in terms of maybe it's something that comes with parenting. Like for, for so long, you have a child, you have a baby and your job as a parent is to figure out what's wrong with the kid Yeah. and to take care of whatever that is. You know, they need to be fed, you know, are they having some sort of emotional distress? And your job is to really literally read their mind. Yeah. And so, but, but with my mom, I feel like she's never transitioned out of that Mm -hmm. where she thinks she really does know. I swear. I've told her so many times I would appreciate it. If you're interested in an area of my life and Mm -hmm. you have questions about it, if you would ask me, how I feel or what my stand is or what my beliefs are on certain things. She will never do that. She will just assume and then make commentary Mm -hmm. based on her assumptions, which are inaccurate. Yeah. And so that's what makes me mad is that she doesn't really ever investigate who I am as a person, as an adult person. She still is applying her like motherhood um, expertise. Expertise. Yes. It, it is. I think that's a, it's a very, uh, 80s way to, like, as I feel like, um, my generation, the way we have, like, our parenting is different, is to just kind of let your kid be a kid, in a, or be a person, rather. So I feel like with, well, maybe not in generationally, this is just with my own kids, like, I try really hard to be like, you're a person already. Just because you're a child doesn't mean you're not a person. And it, like like that, when there's something's going on, be like, hey, what's up with you? You know, and let them tell me. And then to just be like, boy, that sounds really difficult. And step back, you know, like, sounds like. That's all you have to do. Yeah, that's all anybody in the whole world ever wants is somebody to be like, that sounds tough. 
And I, but I feel like the eighties parent thing is like, well, what are you doing? Like, I have to get in there. I have to get in there. And it's like a way to make up for that weird eighties neglect that we all faced where they were like, go play outside for 12 hours. And then now as an adult, they're like, I better get in your business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say that one thing I, I started going to a counselor, like when I was five years old, Mm -hmm. my mom is big into psychology and psychiatry and she really believes in it. I do to an extent too. Like what I really appreciated is having difficulty in my life and feeling like I had a resource where I could go talk to a professional and get some tools yeah, so that I could work through a particular situation. And I've taken advantage of that. Like I will, you know, I'm having a, you know, trouble transitioning from going to school all the time to being a full time, uh, you know, career person. And I, I love having somebody help me with tools to be more productive and, um, not be as stressed out or whatever. So I did get that from her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I use that kind of, like she'll just go to, I think she's been going to this same psychiatrist or psychologist, I don't know, for 20 years, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's more just like, I don't feel like she's doing problem solving there. And I like to think of my life in terms of if there's a situation that I'm having difficulty with, how can I solve this problem? How can I work this out? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where we're different. Is that she just wants to read about making yeah. things better and different, but she's not actually going to actively pursue any of those things. Yeah. Yeah, so. it sounds like like even the way she handles conflict is kind of like, let's throw a bunch of love at it when really a lot of times what has to happen is a fight. Like you right. need to actually be able to have an argument to fix something. And I, my mom's a little different in just in that she's more like, uh, she doesn't want to know. Yeah. Like, well, I think also my mom doesn't want to know. No, oh, yeah. I think if she really wanted to know, she would She ask. would ask. Yeah. But she, it, I think it's like too confusing. She's also, my mom was 13 when she got together with my dad. Oh my God. They got, they were all together all through high school. They got married right out of college. They went to college together. So she has, and she's not been a career person. She mm-hmm. didn't, she did go to college, but she's worked with my dad as his kind of, you know, sidekick for her whole life. Mm-hmm. So my life is completely baffling to her. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm 38 years old and single and I don't have any kids. She cannot relate yeah. to where I'm coming from at all. Yeah. And, and through no fault of her own. Like yeah. it's just not yeah. her experience. So I feel like it's sort of scary to her to think about, who I am as a person. Yeah. I bet that's, that's true. so different from her. Yeah. And I am her child and we're like really different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to be scary for a parent. Yeah. I think so. Especially if you, you kind of see as like the way you did things as the right, happier path. And then when your child takes something else, it's like, Oh no, 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 no. We kind of figured. I've tried out. to explain to her the not having kids thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like it offends her spirit. To think yeah. that I would not, I mean, she had four kids, like motherhood was her, it was like the ultimate dream and goal and opportunity and yeah, she's like, what? I feel like sometimes, um, not just women, cause I've seen men do it too, parents, because you invest so much of yourself in parenting, it's hard for people to admit that a lot of it sucks. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody's like, oh yeah, I don't want to have kids. I just want to spend my own money and do things and travel. It's like, they take that really like as a personal attack Yeah. instead of just being like, cool, go do that. 
Yeah, my mom was a great mom. What my not having not having kids is not commentary on her. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I had such a terrible experience with my parents that yeah. I don't want to be a parent. It's hard probably for her to see that that's not a commentary. Yeah. I have, well, okay, let's do our last one. Okay. Because I gotta get ready for this show. <laughs> All right, people I hate right now. Who do you hate right now, Joss? Oh, I've been, like, in anticipation of this podcast thinking about all the people that I hate. <laughs> um, but I'll keep it to a short one. People, when it's foggy outside and it's the morning time, put on your goddamn lights. Oh, yeah. It was foggy the other morning, and I swear, like, it was, I don't know, 30 feet visibility. Nobody has their lights on. They're not so that you can see through the fog. They're so that I can see you yeah. in your gray sedan. <laughs> yeah, okay? And I really felt one. like it was an epidemic of people. I mean, I don't want to be one of those people that's like doing tirades about people's driving. But seriously, if it's foggy, just put on your lights. Yeah. Just. That's a good one. To help other drivers see you. That's a good one. Those so they don't run into you. People without your lights, Jocelyn hates you. Yeah. And is that, do you have more? Or is that your pick for the week? <laughs> For the week, because we do this every week. <laughs> That'll be my pick for the week. Okay. Um, mine, I didn't think I had one, and then yesterday I was at Christmas shopping with the kids, and we were over uh, by uh, Milwaukee, no, we were over by Franklin, you know, where you go over to Cabela's in that area, and we were stopped at a light, but we were right up by the railroad tracks, so I stopped behind the railroad tracks, not parked on the railroad tracks, because um, I watched that video in Driver's Ed. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was terrifying. So I was parked, but it was also like, I, I wouldn't have been much more forward. I was just like two feet back from the thing, but then there wasn't actually room. I would have been right on the on both railroad tracks. So I was parked, I stopped there, and this truck behind me, gigantic truck behind me, the guy starts losing his mind and screaming and honking, like losing his mind. And I'm, and I'm kind of like, no, uh-uh, I'm not, the light is red. Right. There's nowhere for you to go. It's like eight feet if right. that, you know, and I was like, no. So I sat there while through this light, he lost his mind. <laughs> so then I, the light turns green and he, and I pull up, oh, you know, a little further. He pulls up next to me and I have a car full of kids. I'm in a minivan. Um, I'm a tiny little lady. He rolls down his window and starts screaming and flipping me off and like flipping out. And so I go to roll my window down and he's like, nope. And he starts to drive away, but he's turning left. So he pulls like four feet forward and then he stopped because there's five <laughs> cars in front of him to turn left and there's actually nowhere to go. So I pulled up next to him with my car full of kids, rolled down the window, turned up my Christmas music and had all of my children <laughs> flip him off and yell, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and that's why you have children. Jocelyn. That's the only fucking reason. There's a lot of good reasons. And also, all of them involves things like that. Flipping people. Yeah. He had a Trump sticker. Also, by the way, and like after he got in front of me, I was like, okay, that makes sense. So we all flipped him off, and my kids thought it was the funniest thing in the world. But but as we were like parking, I was like, we're Chris. Like that guy's clearly trying to get to the mall to go Christmas shopping. Is a rage filled, softic plastic bag, you know, just a fury, <laughs> just like. Ugh! And I was like, you're yelling at a, an obvious mom and a bunch of kids in a minivan, like what a week before Christmas like uh, that's where you're at buddy not even a week <laughs> a few days before Christmas having worked retail for, <laughs> for more Christmas seasons than I care to count I will say that the least Christian the most horrendous behavior is always at the Christmas 
I totally believe season. that. I have never been yelled at more, um, felt attacked more than during Christmas. And I, I think everybody should have to work retail over the holidays yeah. to learn this lesson for themselves so that That's they so don't true. behave abominably because it was shocking to me. Like Israel conscripts people for the army. Like yeah. you should have six months where you have to be a waiter or a waitress and then six months where you work in retail. Yeah. And but over the Christmas season where they're playing yeah. the same 12 Christmas songs. Yeah. So you're already on the verge. You're just about to <laughs> melt down anyway. Right. And then somebody is like, you know, you're, you're out of something and they want a rain check and you're not giving rain checks and they like lose their mind. I saw, and in fact, right before that, last week, we saw a guy lose his mind in the Best Buy. Like I was at customer service. We saw a guy lose his mind in the Best Buy. Like I've never seen before, like yelling and screaming. Dylan, do you have to be a part of every podcast? Do you want to say something? Do you have something to, come on. You just can't help it. So our producer, Dylan, Dylan. Dylan Haas, everybody. Our pro- <laughs> Dr. Dylan Haas, oh our goodness. producer. He's real bummed out because his sister just became a lawyer, an esquire, but she's a doctor now too. Oh. Of the law. So he's not the only doctor in the family anymore. He's been kind of pouty. It's been a hard week. It's been a hard week for the Oz. Decorating. Yeah. (laughs) Is it me or does he have a lot of cologne on right now? That was a lot. (laughs) That was a lot. I feel like he was maybe trying to impress you. <laughs> he just came over he here. Just came he came over here and looked at you, brought his cologne in, looked at the knobs, yeah, like, oh, adjusted I'm just the come here and bring my cologne over. <laughs> oh, hi, Jocelyn. No big deal. How are you? Like your sweater. <laughs> anyway, on that note, you do have work to do. I do. I and I've got some funny. Christmas baking to do. But Yay. Um... You aren't going to come to the show tonight? <laughs> I honestly really wish that I could do anything that wasn't just slaving away for the holidays. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we'll do another one of these before I go back out. And it'll be in a week. Like next week? <laughs> yeah, in a week. Because it's a weekly podcast. Dylan, this is a weekly podcast. <laughs> Couple of Kate. <laughs> Couple of Kate weekly. All right. Uh, happy, happy holidays! holidays!